On this week's episode, we saddle up for Django Unchained. Can you guess why he's named Dr. King, Schultz? What would your teeth look like if you lived in a place called Candyland? And did Leo deserve the Oscar that year? Find out now. You're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. All right, all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 24 Flames Per Second, the podcast that roasts the films we love most. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak Bohorkas, and on this week's episode, we are on our way out of January, uh, unchaining ourselves from the holidays, you might say, and uh, this week we're doing Django Unchained, the 2012 Quentin Tarantino uh, superhero movie, you I'm, might say. You might. You yeah. could. I did. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so um, let's, uh, we'll just, we'll just get right into it, and uh, to my left, as always, the Fritz to my Dr. King Schultz, Will Paulson. How's it going, Robert? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I played Skyrim for like five hours today. Nice. That was sick. <laughs> I, woke up, I woke up at like 6 a.m. You say it was sick or you were sick? I, it was sick. I'm okay. fine. I'm, well, anyway. Um, yeah, I woke up super early and was sick editing a... Skyrim fever. That's right. Well, what are they... Rock joint or something is a disease you can get in Skyrim, so maybe. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I woke up super early and uh, edited an episode Mm -hmm. of the show, and then I had to return some packages at the UPS store from Amazon. Nice. Ordered the wrong toothbrush head for my Sonic hair. It's no good. You got to look it up. I didn't know there was more than one kind of Sonic hair. There's model numbers. There are model numbers. (laughs) Anyway, really excited about this episode, though. Yeah, no, I think it should be a lot of fun. Um, did you watch the movie this week? Nope. Have you ever seen it before? Yes. Okay, great. Um, but it's been it's been a minute. It's not. Uh, it's not like I think Inglorious Bastards is like the last Tarantino movie I was like that you had super into. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've kind of fallen off the wagon since then, but I've definitely seen it. Nice eighteen uh, hundreds phraseology. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I like it. Fell off the wagon, just like Django did. Near the end of the movie, he kind of got off the wagon on his own volition. Um, okay, let's. I'll introduce everybody. Okay. <laughs> um, on the roasted panel this week, um, <laughs> joining us for the first time, Russell Hay. Hello. How's, How's it going? It? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Um, we have Scott Calvert. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> so good. Great. Yeah. Um, and then defending this week, Quasi Phillips. What's up? Hi. How are how are you? Doing good. I let my braids out and my hair go mm-hmm. full Django today. There you go. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so foofy. It's very, it's very big. big. It's it raining. I caught all the water. Yes. All of um, it right there. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone, for being oh, yeah, here. Oh, yeah, man. Quasi, um, by this point, you know how it all goes. Oh, boy. Um, first things first, we're going to start with movie in a minute. <sighs> Give us the plot synopsis of Django Unchained. Spoilers and all. <sighs> Yes. Um, for the sake of the audience. Sure. So they, so they know what we're talking about. And, um, excuse me, I'll give you a three count, and then you're off. You ready? I uh, As ready as I can be, sir. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, in three, two, one, go. We follow the story in 1850s, in the, in the south in the 1850s of Dr. King Schultz and Django. Um, Dr. King stumbles upon Django uh, as he's trying to, uh, because Dr. Schultz is a bounty hunter and he tries to find the Brutal Brothers, an infamous trio um, wanted for murder. Um, and in, in order to do that, he knows that he needs to find a, a slave named Django who he stumbles across, or he finds in, in the wilds of Texas. He frees him from the slaves that, uh, from the slavers who are transporting him and promises that if he um, if he if he f- helps him find the Blue Brothers, he will uh, set him free. And he does that, and he um, and they go to the Blue Brothers. They kill um, they kill the three brothers. Um, and in the process, uh, Doctor King realizes that Django has not only an eye for uh, not only an act with a gun, but also you know an eye for the bunny hunting business. And so he off and and when Django tells him the story of his long lost wife Brumhilda, he realizes that he must help him find his wife Brumhilda in order to free him. And um, 
and you're out of time. Fuck. <laughs> 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 One of these days. Oh, I don't know why. Come on, man. Quasi, do you remember how much of the movie, time-wise, it takes the Br- the whole Brita Brothers thing to be over from the beginning of the movie? 15 minutes. It's, no, it's like 45 minutes. You think it's 45 minutes of the movie? Yeah. I don't think it takes that long. <laughs> I think you it's the think very, that? very beginning I mean, of the it, movie. <laughs> it took you 40 seconds to tell us about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just my fault. That's not... That's a- <laughs> That's not on, yeah. Well, yeah. So I guess, Anyways, no. It, it was you're right. It was shorter than that. Um, I think I think it's like twenty minutes. Is it? Really it was bad? not long, man. It was <laughs> super immediate. Well, I mean, they scoot on past that because then he starts yeah, doing his whole training starts, montage. Yes, there's the training montage in the wild, and then um, this the story of him, you know, or like yeah. him telling Doctor King about Brumhilda, and then the story of Siegfried um, yeah. and everything. Um, but then after yeah, so once the, they realize, like, I, you should take over <laughs> <laughs> we we have a limited amount of time i know, I know. Um, uh, so yeah bad. so the rest of the movie um they continue bounty hunting through the winter and then decide to uh that schultz decides he's going to help Django in his quest to free his wife they discovered that she's was um purchased um from the auction or from the yeah is this an auction well she, yeah, when she they sell sold. a bunch of slaves she was yeah she it's was an sold. auction um uh, she was purchased uh, the same time that Django was purchased, but she was bought by Calvin Candy, the infamous uh, plantation slaver in guy. Horrible guy. Mm-hmm. Um, trades a Mandingo fighting. They track him down in... The, do you remember what state? Mississippi. Is it Mississippi? Okay. Yeah. And who is Louisiana or Mississippi? Um, mm-hmm. And they go and they get in and they meet him at a saloon bar and upstairs he's Mandingo fighting and they uh, make a ridiculous offer that will pique his curiosity uh, that will get them to Candyland, get invited to Candyland to purchase a, another Mandingo fighter, their second or third strongest one. And... Um, this is all a ploy to get uh, to secretly purchase Brunhilde for Django. That's right. And um, they get there, and Samuel L. Jackson plays Stephen, who is kind of Calvin Candy's right hand slave. Butler slave. Yeah, yeah butler, butler slave. And uh, they have dinner, and uh, Stephen notices that Brunhilde and Django probably know each other almost certainly know each other and tells calvin that, that he's been duped and calvin l- l- gets very angry and does not respond well yeah and he pretty much through through a, a, a big bloody display of skull sawing and <laughs> glass yeah. breaking yeah. um uh announces that the deal is not on the table they, they must pay they must pay yeah. the right price for Broomhilda, which was yeah. twelve thousand dollars which is what they're going to pay for the mandingo yeah. uh, <clears throat> um and so they do all that and then um king schultz uh just can't stand it with calvin <laughs> can anymore and shoots him um all hell breaks loose in the house um and uh, a lot of people get shot Django. Uh, manages to not get shot and shoots a lot of people and they pretty much they point a gun at Brunhilde and they're like we're gonna shoot her if you don't like cooperate with this guy and so they um, sell him to a mining company they sell him to a mining company and he convinces them to let him go Uh, he'll cut him in on the money back at the back at Candyland Um, he ends up just killing all those guys and then rides back to rescue Brunhilde and he uh, he does so by literally blowing up the mansion. <laughs> yeah, the very and, end, very Western ending. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they kind of ride off into the moonlight, moonset That's off to their. <laughs> I think it was the middle of the night. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. And they live Thank for you. all as far as we know, happily nice. ever after. Well, it's yeah. for that night. For probably. that night, yeah, probably <laughs> stuff to get back up north, but. Yeah. They could do it. No food, no money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, great. Yeah, that's the movie. And so, Quasi, uh, yes. it is uh, your turn to uh, tell us why you why you like Django Unchained. Oh, Opening statements. Of course. Off uh, you go. Yeah, I saw this. Um, saw this in theaters. Winter 2012. My cousin loved it. It was so much fun to watch. Um, 
I and I mean I like Quentin Tarantino's movies. Um, I think he, he's a wonderful. I, I love the storytelling that happens in the movies, um, and this is absolutely no exception. From start to finish, it just keeps hitting you with the great punches, and um, it's so much so much fun to just tag along with. And even after rewatch after rewatch, I watch the movie a lot. Um, there was this thing I, I like the past two years on President's Day. I actually watched um, Twelve Years a Slave and then this movie. Nice. Um, in a row and it's uh so it's like it's not i mean it's just something i i think it has great rewatch value and i i mean i i really thoroughly enjoy it as a as a tarantino movie um mm-hmm. the music is incredible in this movie too <laughs> oh man i remember i i watched it with you robert and i was just singing yeah. along to rick ross and yeah. Tupac. <laughs> i fucking love that rick ross song. yeah i know <laughs> i love rick ross Period. yeah it was, it was great um Jamie Foxx is one of my favorite actors and he absolutely killed it in this movie you know Christoph Waltz Leonardo DiCaprio insane acting in this movie yeah. just the fact that someone like that could play someone so despicable I mean it just and it, then it not turned get nominated and not get <laughs> that's it's own thing yeah, well, um, we crawled for a movie got nominated so so we're all no, we're good yeah, yeah. we're good you didn't crawl on this one no I did not that was always missing <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean, it just was, it, it was really fun and uh, the writing and all, uh, writing was incredible and I, I just really liked this movie. It was a great, like I was, it's like one of the great black superhero movies. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm, I thoroughly love it. Sweet. Uh, with that, uh, I think the place we can kind of start, um, roasters, we can talk, I, I, maybe let's, um. Usually we start with like talking about all the characters and everything, but let's actually start with talking about this as a Quentin Tarantino film. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Because you can't talk about Tarantino without talking about Tarantino. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Like you can't his <laughs> movies, movies are so okay. I follow. So like stylized and so unique, you can't right. really talk about it without talking about his canon. So Right. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Where does this one kind of land for you guys as far as are we all have we seen a handful of Tarantino movies? I'm just yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where does this one land for you guys? As far as, I don't know, you don't have to rate all of them, but like yeah, roasters. maybe on a scale of one to ten, as far as Tarantino movies, uh, arbitrarily. So for me, I would say that it's probably second to the bottom of the ones that I've seen. Okay, with Inglorious Bastards only being the Whoa. oh the floor. Okay, the floor for me. <laughs> oh. Let's go. <laughs> oh, out, of, out of curiosity, no. what, which one's your favorite? Um, I would probably say it's a toss up between Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill Volume One. Mm. Got it. Okay, yeah. Scott. I don't know how to answer this. I know it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I don't know. Just say it's your least favorite. It's my least favorite. <laughs> it's definitely. I've talked to a lot of people, and I tend to agree that this is sort of the point where Tarantino mm-hmm. movies started to slightly take a downturn from Do No Wrong. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he's, shr- he's shrugging. Yeah. He's, Angrily shrugging. Angrily. Do, you, do you have a do you have a favorite Tarantino movie? Uh, Inglorious Bastards, I thought was pretty great, but then there's just singular things out of a lot of the other movies. I don't really have one that I have to say is the golden perfect Tarantino. Sure, movie. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty fair. There's a lot of just uh, iconic things that show up in Tarantino. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there'll be certain scenes in a stick in a out. Film that stick yeah, out. yeah. Like you know when Tarantino yeah. walks on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's Mister Mister Brown in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. As, I mean, I think as far as like the his the trend of his movies go, like Inglorious Bastards was the first one after Kill Bill two, right? Yes, yes. I, so, yeah. I, I guess Death Proof was probably uh, not exactly which a is yeah. a movie, but yeah. yeah. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> I think I think like you said, Scott, Inglorious Bastards. This is just my personal opinion took like a mm. weird cartoony turn that is some it's in like it's somehow distinct from kill bill volume one and two which mm. i don't know if you can speak yeah. to that at all russell but like uh, what, uh, what you felt because there is like a difference you know what i mean hmm. yeah and i would, this movie follows in that pattern i guess is what i'm saying post inglorious masters yeah i think that like for me the the difference between like kill bill volume one and everything after that mm. um is that he he does take that extremely comic turn um, or mm. cartoon turn yeah. where things are over the top and a little bit more uh, not comical, but like exaggerated yeah. um, more so than like his other stuff. Um, and it um, and I think that it does a disservice to some of the topics that he's trying to cover um, sure. because uh, it's hard to take the content 
as seriously or as profoundly as I think he wants you to um, because of the exaggerations yeah. that he's putting into it. Yeah, that's a big difference between Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained versus Kill Bill is that Kill Bill isn't a historical fiction. You mm. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Oh, you got something? I feel something like there, Mr. Scott? something I finally just wrapped my head around is the difference between that point where you're talking about Inglorious Bastards took it to a different cartoonish level, even though Kill Bill was ridiculous and over the top. Absolutely. And yeah. as Quasi put it, it's basically an anime. It's just like, yeah. it's, it's crazy and excessive. And I think the key difference is that it was kind of dispassionate after that. Kill Bill, you were there with her watching all this be a real thing and you watched her like spank the boy and like mm-hmm. get him out of the room and like all this stuff happened where you cared and in glorious bastards it was sort of they were walking through germany shooting nazis to their sides as they kept walking right and i feel like that actually carried over into Django with the way that the gratuitous violence was used where it was it was just sort of it was kind of it was gratuitous this was the first time i really agreed with it because i can see where everybody else was pointing out like oh yeah Gil bill was just crazy violent and bloody but in kill bill i thought it you know spoke to the point of the movie and it was part of the whole art look of it like mm-hmm. the scene where she's fighting people as a silhouette the blood splurting but that was part of what you were looking at and it was cool and in django to me it seemed like there's that bit where the uh i can't remember which instance it was but the recently freed slaves had the gun to the guy who was just carting them off and they shoot him and it blows up like the biggest <laughs> m80 you ever lit right, off on right. fourth of july and it's just silly and you go from like oh man He's this like perfect cool guy that rides off in the sunset to free these. Oh wait, no, he's exploding like Jello. Like maybe would you say that if Kill Bill's source material was anime uh, and maybe like kung fu movies, um, it was truer to its source material than Django is to its, which would be westerns. Sure, and I don't sense? know. Like, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't Boise, know. If- what do you think? Well, I mean, western. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The westerns that I mean, westerns didn't really have that type of violence in them anyway. Really, right, right. They really didn't. Like the most, the one that we could probably say had the most would be the Wild Bunch and the Alamo, right? And then, um, like, that scene I'm trying the to Alamo. think. There was the it's one probably that the one held that's the, the most. record for like squibs used, right? I think <laughs> I think it's the Alamo that's a scene, squib. isn't it? What is that? Is uh, that the a blood squib's thing? a little blood pack yeah, that okay. explodes out from under your shirt? Um. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's a wild bunch. I could look it up real quick, but um, well, yeah, um, it, it was a western that held that record, though. True. Okay, yeah. so to your to the point of it being, you know, not true to that source in terms of the violence, I would say absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no precedent for it, so right. I guess it it wouldn't you couldn't really say that it lived up to it. It 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 definitely lives up to the storytelling part of it, to the thematic elements of a western, to the cinematography of a western. I think that it 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 knocks those out of the park. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, I mean to the violence part of it. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, and a it's big just part too, of too much. Sure, and a big part of Tarantino's work is like, um, hearkening to like pulp content. Right, right. And so there's always that. Uh, uh, there's shades of that in all of his work, you know, like True. the fact that Schultz dies like at a weird point in the movie is like, so Tarantino, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. He doesn't it's like, die at the end. He like this, dies right before yeah. everything happens, you know? Yeah. It's this big part of the movie. And so it's also like, Oh, let's just cut him out. Real yeah. Quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like to, in terms of the Quentin violence, absolutely. It doesn't really match. I think that this, all the slavery violence was, I mean, it's, historically accurate so sure sure it's hard to that that part of it being what it is um i remember there that was a huge controversy like how many times the n-word was said and like how much violence there was i'm like this is this is how it is you know but uh right but we go to quentin there's a speaking in quentin in the quentin world that we are in yes i would concede that point but everything else that it tries to check off in that in the western slash uh, kind of superhero theme theme for this mm-hmm. is kind of I I would say it, it's great. I have this I have oh, this yeah what is these it? stats on the <laughs> uh, okay so important the Wild Bunch I di- I didn't find the one they used the most but I mi- I'm mixing up two statistics the Wild Bunch used around ten thousand squibs jeez um, how many showed the, up for in the, the movie? finale and then but the other thing the other like thing that I'm tagging onto that and mixing it up is that the production used more ammo than was used in the actual Mexican Revolution. <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn. Wow. Was, and I, I'm sorry, you said 10... 
10,000 in the finale scene, like made it onto uh, the um, screen? Probably in production. Or just in production. I would guess in production. But that makes sense. I don't think much more uh, that, But it's a very long scene. Yeah. And a lot of shooting. <laughs> and a lot of people get yeah. shot. So, I mean, I would guess most of them are in the movie. I don't know. Yeah. But. So, I guess the only thing to say about the violence point is like, does it help or hurt the movie? And I thought it well, pulled me out different times. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I don't. Know. I think that you. I mean, Russell. I think you were, we were talking earlier, but you kind of pointed like there was other Quentin things that were kind of ruining it for you versus just the violence part of things. I'm trying to remember what that was. Now. <laughs> the fact that he was in it. Yeah. The fact well, okay. that it was him looking like, look what I did. It's yeah. so great. Yeah. So it's also, like, I'm it, Australian. Right. Yeah. So, so his cameo, like every time he has a cameo feels like he's just doing it because great directors do it. Um, yeah, and yeah. like yeah. they could have cast a better person who actually can cast act an and, actor. Yeah. Like cast an actor. Maybe somebody who can actually do an accent because, oh my God, his Australian accent accent was or awful an actual australian that's what well, that calm yes. down all right yes. calm down calm down there's not that many of those oh, those aren't real <laughs> <laughs> though though i do have to i have to say that i did like the fact that like he blew up that was how okay. it died that was kind of nice to see okay. at that point in the I movie wonder if he, yeah. that got written in on purpose knowing how people felt about him being in his movies Maybe. Oh, I don't he, know. Oh, do you think he was Maybe. just like, yeah, fuck me. I don't think he was like that. <laughs> but I think some other writer was like, hey, Quentin, wouldn't it be cool if you blew up? Yeah, cool. All right, everybody's going to love this. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't guy. know. That seems he's very... The, he's the writer. Yeah, but oh. he's not the only person that had influence yeah. on who blew up. Oh. Seems very okay. on brand that he blow himself yes. up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he does tend to die dramatically in all of his movies. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's quick, it's just like very well, definitive. It, he, he didn't direct um, From Dusk Till Dawn, right? No, no, that's produced. Rodriguez, right? Yeah. Did he write yeah. that? He had something. He, he, he was, was. I mean, he was in it. Well, yeah, but he had something right. else I mean, to do yeah, with it, right? He definitely <laughs> dies dramatically in that one. Yeah, third. <laughs> I think. I mean, as far as like violence, maybe we can move on to other sure. points. But uh, there is something satisfying about like in Inglorious Bastards when Hitler's like face gets turned to spaghetti, <laughs> and then like you know slave owners get shot to bits and stuff yeah there is something oh, yeah. kind of there's a lot of you know a little bit of uh well, it's like it's, satisfying. it's, it's yeah. that uh captain america punching hitler on the front yeah. of the first issue you know it's right. that kind of like we i think we can all agree that these guys yeah. Yeah. Deserve, right? yeah with the captain america thing you just you're punching this like <clears throat> flat totally evil character which is my yeah. segue into a problem with this movie Hey-o. where some of the characters were just flat and evil just kind of cuz Sure. Like yeah, who? we can um, we can talk more about characters that we only mentioned in name. Right. Um, do you want to talk about specific villains? If you're talking about people that are just flatly evil, anyone? Well, I mean, so pretty much like all of the slave owners and uh, anyone who uh, was kind of helping with the the whole slave process, they were really one dimensional and mm-hmm. just evil. Like yeah. it was, they're just being evil to be evil. Um, which I mean. <laughs> I understand the point of why he maybe went that direction, but I think it also did a disservice because they're just this flat one dimensional character who doesn't like, you don't really feel a connection with that person because they're so, so exaggerated. Um, and so when they die, it's just like, okay, well, whatever. I don't care. Mm. Mm. And when candy died, it was like, yeah, that was good. And then I'm done with this thought. What's happening next? Yeah, pretty much. Didn't matter. Yeah. Do you think if he had more redeeming qualities, it would have? Well, if you had made it, more or if you had or? cared if he had died, I mean, it was you were leading up to like you wanted him to die, right? And if you knew Tarantino and you thought about, it, you'd probably guess like, yeah, this probably guy is gonna probably die in some dramatic way, right? As always happens. So it was just sort of, a, and you can kind of feel that the movie wasn't quite done yet. So the guy died, and then the shootout happened, and you just forgot about it because mm. it didn't matter. It didn't affect anything. Like, there was still bad guys for him to fight. And at mm-hmm. the end of that fight, he got sent off to go be a slave again. So he just wrapped up in all that. Candy was just a... He was around for this 45 minutes. And he was this <laughs> giant dickhole. And then he got shot. And then that was the last you thought about him. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's another point that um, I have about the plot of the movie is that like one of the things that you do as a screenwriter is progressive complications. You're supposed to make things more difficult, more difficult, more difficult for yeah. the, for the um, person. And really the complications that happened in this movie are all the same. It's slave owner, got to kill him for whatever reason. And 
free everybody around, move on to the next one, do the same thing, move on to the next one. The only place where you actually get like even a slight bit of like progressive complication where it's slightly different um, is when uh, after Schultz dies and Django has to fight out of the of the house and then, um, you know, the miners and having to get free from them but really that's also just the same as like at the beginning of the movie whenever he was getting free from uh the chain game yeah mm. so here's the way i see it it's you have dr king schultz and Django, who are two people i just i just got that his name's dr king oh yeah oh, i just no. got that <laughs> oh wow huge part of the movie <laughs> that's, that's so stupid and it makes me hate tarantino more Whoa. wait what you that's, just got that that's, too yeah so how'd you just get that who the fuck <laughs> names just... their character a half black rights guy that's what? so dumb <laughs> what, what are you talking <laughs> i'll get to that in a minute yeah. <laughs> So here's what I think, though. You ha- uh, <laughs> okay. I got it. Yeah. Uh, wait, are you God. saying that Martin Luther King was half hey black? Hey or God. that he used he's, half he's of his name? the point you are going to make first, <laughs> so you don't forget what that was. I'm <laughs> just saying we never get a okay, DNA come test back on around. Right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dr. King Schultz and Django Freeman are two characters who you want to see achieve something and have this redemption or have these moments for themselves. I think that Candy was always Dr. King's antagonist kind of villain sure. and Django's villains were is the system, right? It's like it's okay. everything. He's trying to just he's trying to get Bruno and rescue her from this from like bring her out of this like this this nightmare, this hell that they live in and and uh King's I King's villain is to help mm. kind of like clear the path for the Siegfried that he's found. And he does that. In, yeah. Get through yeah that. He like, yeah. he helps him like navigate the way. And this, this, this is like the biggest bucket. Candy is like the biggest bucket. He represents, right. he is the one representation of all this evil. There's definitely King foils of each other. shoots him and, and, and puts up, puts a bullet in that representation of evil and let's and then he dies in the process. But now it's, now mm. you have, this is, this is Django's moment to now, come through and follow through and just destroy as much as he can in, in that um, King let him um, kind of like kind of clear the way for him to come and do and have his, you know, Western comeback redemption moment. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I see it as like candy is a evil son of a bitch. Right. And he just is this representation of everything that King has learned about the South and sees as evil. And he just destroys him and gets mm-hmm. killed in the process. Like, and Django couldn't, couldn't resist. Django's like, this is life. Uh, everyone's like this. So <laughs> yeah. I just need to go through and clear everyone out because I need to get, uh, get Broomhilda back. And maybe for like Django, like you said, it's the system. It's, it is yeah. the institution of slavery, exactly. not just one individual. It's not, I mean, yeah. every white person is his villain, right? Right. Versus Dr. Which King has met up. this one person. Almost every single white person, if not every white person he comes up against is, exactly his villain yeah they're all against him and i really yeah. liked that king candy comparison that was good like and yeah. especially in the western setting where everybody's like gunslinger bad guys which is what happens with all the Django stuff right king and candy are like the two well-spoken formal people that go at each other with like right like cloak and dagger sort of like i'm gonna get around you but be polite to your face until i can like swing it and everything ends yeah exactly that like moment where he he says you need to shake my hands kind of like obviously being the, the straw that broke the camel's back but it was also like that final representation of like Everything about yeah. this is so shitty, and right. it's you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bow. Can we take a quick moment to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio's teeth in this movie? Okay. What? Um, they, are, they are gross. They are horrific. There's there's something about like uh uh like a villain having something. Not just like a scar over the eye, oh, okay. but just something kind of gross about their face okay. that makes them so much worse. And mm-hmm. like <laughs> teeth stuff really freaks me out. That's like yeah. a it's like a thing that I have. Okay. I'm always afraid they're gonna fall out and my gum I'm pretty sure my gums are receding and I don't go to the dentist. <laughs> well, this is but, but all to say he it do added that. to his, it added added to his to character quite a bit. Sure. Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. I kind of thought that with Casino Royale. Everybody's like, oh, like, that villain was dumb. But I'm like, oh, he was creepy just because he, he had that little eye bleeds. bleed. But it was just this little thing. Yeah. And it wasn't literally the eye scar. I see no, what you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was very together, but then there was this creepy thing. There's just something a little bit off. Something off. Yeah, yeah. So question about that, though. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really uh, bad trope uh, that the mm. evil 
person is ugly. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. so um, he's playing into that. Well, he is handsome. I think he's yeah, a great looking dude. Are fucking gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Point though. So I mean, yeah. I, I find that that actually is a little bit problematic, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it's more in in this case, it's more just like personal hygiene back then, not great. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that anyone has nice nice teeth in this movie is pretty like anachronistic. Yeah. But. <laughs> I wonder if uh, they had women. Oh hey, I. I Hey, you're just saying King can- King and Candy are the counterparts. Uh, candy? Uh, uh. Well, His well, teeth that. are rotted. Yeah, yeah. But also, Dr. King was a dentist. Good freaking right. lord. <laughs> yep. No, he was. Yeah, in the yeah he was. was. Oh, wait. Oh, yes, he was. I'm not sorry. Dr. I'm so not Dr. <laughs> I was like, no, he wasn't. He was a pastor. <laughs> okay, we have to address this. How do you not realize from the moment they said Dr. King Schultz? I, I mean, I just, I just got that immediately. But like... I, honestly, I thought it was a great. I thought it was great. It is, but I it when I first heard it, I honestly to took it as this is a random ass, stupid, goofy Tarantino name, and it just came at me as like <laughs> nobody's first name is King, so I was just like, all right, I'm not gonna pay attention. It's just random name, and I'll probably never hear it again. Do they, I mean, do they call him by his full name a lot? No, no. no. a few times. Just call him as, a few yeah, times right? he does. He yeah. I am Dr. King Schultz. I should have noticed it. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling a little embarrassed, but I'm also defensive. I also this movie in like years so i might have noticed and forgot well i didn't get yeah, the whole true. candy also. dentist thing either which is just blunt as that's yeah I, I, I can't believe that I, didn't get that. I didn't know that it also doesn't really matter it's just this it's it's the thing you can put together but it doesn't affect yeah. the movie no yeah. not really. so i give myself a pass because i tend not to pay attention yeah. to names in movies <laughs> yeah sure i, I thought uh, um but i don't know, i think that it's it, it, it there were these those like um like building and like character development moments are really great um, throughout the course of the movie, uh, I I could do without some of those like little side weird comedy bits. Honestly, maybe they were really there to try and like break the fact that this is like a lot of hard material to get through. Mm-hmm. So you have something that's like kind of that kind of goes with the crazy gratuitous blood splurts True. though, where it will take away the legitimacy. Yeah. True. Question for the room: uh, What with having all these, call them just flat evil no redeeming quality villains. Um, what about all of the uh, KKK guys? Oh, yeah. They have a whole discussion. Scene. My wife that worked really scene, hard on these banks. That whole <laughs> scene was making KKK people seem like people and then making them seem like dumb people and then blowing them up. That movie, that scene went exactly like everybody that would... Be a clever writer like, that disliked the KKK. Would have written that. Like emotional people, it did, but it made him seem like idiots. They had problems just like the rest of us. Yeah, but they were like making fun of each other's wives. And they were yelling at each other like <laughs> morons, and the one guy couldn't control his flock of idiots. Right. And then they all blew up. That was the point of that scene. Hmm. Like you, you saw him roll up. And you went, "Oh man, they're going to attack him." And then they just fall I'm not apart. Trying to apart ridiculous. They're just people we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, hold so. on, because because in the in the way the movie is frames it, the KKK shows up and then they flash back, right? Um. So no, no there it's uh, Don Johnson. I forget his character's name, but he's where the Brittle Big Brothers Daddy. are working. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, it is. <laughs> it's where the Brittle Brothers are working mm-hmm. um, under different names, mm-hmm. um, and they kill those guys. And they and uh, who Jang- does the KKK? J- no, Django and Django. Yes, Django kills the Brittle the brothers. brothers, and Django. Big Daddy comes down. And he's like, I need an explanation, and uh, they give him the paperwork, and they show everything, and they're like, You're working under not real names, whatever, and he lets them leave, and then they're gonna go right. Go get them get with back their masks at them. on. And, yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. and so Quentin shows that scene of them going down the mountain with the mm-hmm. masks on, but then cuts back to them so talking about saying. the masks. It does? Yeah. And yeah. then goes back to them. I thought they I crawled thought up to the edge, and then they like, all yeah. just sort of showed up. Are you sure? It's actually completely nonlinear. And that's actually one of the points that, like, I one of the things that I was going to mention is, like, that little bit, because it is so nonlinear, and is hmm. completely different than the rest of the movie is also one of the problems that I have is sure. that I find that from end to end, this film is an extremely inconsistent film uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. from the, the way that it's shot. So it seems like they either had multiple editors or multiple input mm. that uh, maybe didn't jive. And then Quentin Tarantino came in and said, I'm going to put all my, mm. my feelings on it. <laughs> Here I come. Um, <laughs> but the and and you got... can see where his yeah. influences happen. Yeah. I almost wonder because um, some of the, some other Quentin Tarantino movies have that like chapter structure set up. Yes. Sure, yeah, yeah. I wonder if this had chapters 
that you know allowed uh, that almost made that flow better. How I little think, sections all have little different pacing. Out. And, I'll bet yeah, you they did. They it like, absolutely yeah, felt like that. And they just took it out. This is the Tarantino movie that doesn't have chapters. Or does I'm trying to others think. without. I mean, uh, uh, Hateful Eight doesn't Brown's have it. Have Jackie yeah, Brown Jackie doesn't Brown. have it. Reservoir Dogs doesn't Reservoir have it. Dogs oh, okay. Pulp Fiction. Right, first one. Anyway, I don't think. Sorry. Does Pulp Fiction have chapters? Yes. That was the one that had chapters. Yeah, it's completely non-linear. It's basically they tell the same story multiple times from different. I've only seen it once. Exactly. Or yeah. the same time oh. period. Oh. Yeah, but I wonder. Once. Yeah, it was. Because um, it does have that vignette kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Each thing that happens feels like its own bit. Like mm-hmm. there's the bit where he pulls him out in the beginning. There's the bit where he learns. There's the bit where they go and do the whatever the hell brothers. Brothers. I don't know. Brothers. All of when it go feels very vignette mm-hmm. oh, oh, yes. That blue suit. <laughs> Hemp suit, man. Mm. Oh, great. Um, right now, I loved it that one girl who's who's showing him around was like, "No, man, I'm a free man." She's like, "Oh, dressed like that on purpose." <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> he feels dumb. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, I I liked that uh, as a standalone. I can't speak to like how it fit with the whole movie, mm-hmm. but that bit with the KKK is like pretty good comedy that was a really cool oh, yeah. vignette like the when they when they they show up it's like oh fuck it's the kkk and then it's like no they're just people Idiots. and they're kind of dumb <laughs> these yeah these which people. is accurate yeah. <laughs> it's, a um, moment, it's just a moment to like laugh at these people yeah and know? it makes them less scary and then they get like blown up yeah, because they're they're right. not very organized mm-hmm. and they, you know. <laughs> that's right yeah. the the movie needs that a little bit a little it's bit, a lot of a material little bit of levity they yeah. gotta get through I mean, even, I mean, even Glorious Passers, I don't know what were those. I don't think they, were, they had those moments that much. Hugo Stiglitz. Burn <laughs> yeah. it cuts, it cuts back in that whole thing. Oh, yeah. That was super uh, Yeti. Yeah, I think there's like a couple. I there's, think he had to have a couple. Even like the Australians a little bit. It was kind of like this go- oh. these goofy Australians are going to get duped, you know, right. by, our, by our hero. <clears throat> Brad Pitt's entire character was goofy. Right. True. Oh yeah, like the scene Elbow where he's doing Rain. the fake accent, or, or there's a scene where. Oh, it's yeah. funny. The whole that's yeah, funny. Yeah, movie. there's a scene where I can't remember who it's supposed to be, but he's like a German higher up, and he's with his like secretary or something, and they quickly cut to like them having sex, and it's like, oh, really gross. Yeah, it it's Goebbels? her reading the room, and as he's going, it's Goebbels. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. And, and even the, it's a movie, and even the scene yeah. with Hitler in that movie was kind of funny. Like, oh yeah, a little no, they bit, mocked like, the Nazis him, the whole like, time. Him, it's like, very Tarantino, I think. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, levity, levity in the material. What other characters have we not? We haven't Brunhilde, really talked about Brunhilde. I, Stephen. Oh yeah, how how, how, are, how are we feeling about female representation in this movie? There ain't gentlemen. <laughs> I asked to a room full of men. Well, if I were to ask there all the women any. here, they would agree and say there wasn't any. Nice. That was that was very funny, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> that was good. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Brunhilda. Um, so pretty much all of the women in this movie are set dressing. There's very little actual representation of, of women who have any agency in the entire film. Brunhilda is really the like actually the entire plot of this movie from if you look at Django um, himself, it's entirely girlfriend in a refrigerator. Trope. Wife and in a refrigerator. What's that? They're they're married. <laughs> wife, wife in a hot well, box. Wife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. So continue. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. So it's uh, it's extremely one dimensional. And anytime that there's a woman in the scene, she's pretty much set dressing. She doesn't have any like she. None of them really speak very much. Um, if they do speak, it's usually just in response to something um, that a male character asked her, and. Um, they don't really influence anything. Yeah, there's they have no like they have no agency, no influence in the entire in the entire film. Candy's sister accomplishes nothing the whole movie except walking around. Boone right. Hill doesn't do anything. She's just kind of a Rapunzel. Sort of until the end, or when she gives him away at dinner. And then the one other girl I can even think of in the entire movie was the girl who was the slave who was showing Django around the first plantation, mm-hmm. and she just tells him where people are, right. which isn't necessary because he could have just seen them. Maybe, and then yeah. there was that bounty hunter who I guess is sort of a girl that you sort of reveal at the end, which was apparently a whole cut scene, but that just speaks more to oh, nobody yeah. matters. The one, the woman with the scarf. Yeah. She was all cool looking. Face. She was all Boba yeah. Fetty with the bandana and yeah. Oh yeah. And then nothing happened. 
Shucks. Womp womp. Womp womp. It's unfortunate. Brumhildo is, is kind of... Sorry, but I think that you said, yeah, like I was throughout the movie, she's kind of this consistent reminder to Django mm-hmm. versus um, having, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of just like the continued inspiration to, you know, delve into the character of a black slaver, which is horrible, you know, fight through the pain of everything that's happening to him, which is horrible because he knows that this is the end result. But I wish, I do wish that she herself had more impact the yeah. idea of her as a functional character is exactly a MacGuffin and the only difference is you see her but she never does the thing that he's going after he's not going after her because she's a woman that stands quietly in a corner he goes after her because she's his wife which she doesn't really ever do until he rescues her at the very end so she's basically just a weirdly visible MacGuffin so she's just yeah. like the arbitrary reason to go forward and just doesn't matter yeah yeah, for and the for the listener, if you oh, don't yeah. know what a MacGuffin is, oh, um, it's kind of just a, a an object for after which our heroes are questing for. And the whole right? point is that some, you some never object. ever see it, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it just it's, it's moves the, the plot it's along. What's inside the Ark of the Covenant, and yeah. right, it, it's the thing that the protagonist and the antagonist both want. Yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just love I love all the moments where it's like. Your wife's name is Brunhilde mm. von Schaff. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I was like, your yo, yo black wife speaks German and her name is Brunhilde von Schaft. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a good little bit. I like their relationship a lot, too, Django and... They were excellent. And uh, King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Um, King. Uh, <laughs> did anyone feel weird about him being back-to-back... Movie Tarantino movies once being a despicable antagonist, no. and then now completely. That, like, that, did that take that anybody out of it? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I thought it was great. Um, I loved Jamie Foxx as Django. Mm-hmm. I, he's amazing. Um, and I, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio killed, like, just absolutely destroyed this role. I love it always. too. So yeah, yeah. And I, his hand, he destroyed his hand. And destroyed. Yeah. That's a so was that insane. was it even written that he would break it, or no. did they just go with it? Because yeah. Broke wait, it? hold on. What happened? Okay, so there's uh, it's it's after he's kind of found everyone out at the dinner after table. Stevens told him everything, and he smashes a glass in a fit of rage, and it was a real glass, and he and it really smashed the shit out of his hand. Um, and so he's like in the it's one of the shots mm-hmm. is he's actually like bleeding everywhere and he yep. doesn't break character. Yep. And he does the rest the of his same, monologue. He does I've, the rest of his monologue. Yep. They bring in Brumhilda. He covers her, her face, face with, with his blood. His blood. With his own blood. And all yeah. the reactions of everyone is 100% real. Wow. And it's, it's I don't think that's true because there's cutaways of the of there's the multiple in shots, that shot though. But there's the one. first you shot. Can see, you can I'm see Samuel sure. Jackson Going, oh. and Carrie Washington both are like like just yeah, her Carrie face you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, that's kind of being a Tarantino uh, a trope now, because in Hateful Eight he destroyed that guitar, and everybody went, "Oh no!" Oh yeah. That was but that was all Kurt Russell messed up. Anyway, poor Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, but no, it, it, that I mean, he yeah, he really committed to it. And yeah, stuck right through it. Didn't get didn't get that Oscar yet though. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and no, he's won, didn't. Well, he doesn't win yeah, after yeah. he got it for red. And and I think Samuel Jackson's character too. Like he it he plays this. I mean the awful awful person oh we know. haven't even talked about samuel jackson yet yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean so him, play, Steve, uh, him playing steven just trying to really milk that just this this person who's completely lost himself into this world that he has this power in and has total been given this syndrome, power yeah. you know through uh through candy um and it and is willing to completely sell out everything that he potentially stands for with his kin his his people um, for that power is also just like just completely gives him a little more a little extra gross when you watch him on the screen and you really yeah. kind of really like him getting kneecapped at the end mm-hmm. um, okay I feel like um, we're about at the point where we can all unmask um, we can go around we can say mask off. how we uh, how we really feel about the movie we start with uh, Scott Man, this was a tough one because I watched this again today and I really liked it and that was frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote all these notes down from when I remember the last time and I'm like, oh, it just seemed blunt and it seemed like it was just little disconnected bits and it was it was dumb and it was just overboard on the racism and Tarantino was there and I'm like, well, <laughs> no, 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 but Tarantino was there. In the 1800s. So, Tarantino was. 1800s 
were overboard on the on the racism, <laughs> which was in fact the point. And I think they did a better job than I thought the first time around watching it. And I think just seeing it the first time, getting over all the face value stuff and watching it again, I could see it coming, appreciate it a little more, and I could actually just watch the quality of the movie making, which was excellent. Wow. It was a very nicely made movie. Mm. Real pretty. Russell. So I also, the second time I watched it, um, which yeah. was a couple weeks ago, it definitely resonated with me more than the first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, I still don't like the movie because <laughs> of the last... I don't know, probably about 40 minutes of the movie. Um, there's a point where um, uh, Schultz looks directly at the camera and says, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And right. So precisely the third act. Yeah, Pretty and much, yeah. everything after that mm. just like was a completely different movie. Um, and it felt like that was the point where Quentin Tarantino was looking at the audience and saying, oh, I'm going to do my thing now. Look how yeah. fun it's going to be. And... and I don't know. Mm. Then he just like jerked off on, on the screen for the rest of the movie. Sure. sure. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the ending is very much out of character of the rest of the, like, it's a very much just like Jamie Foxx having fun. And you know, it's like the silly, it's a, yeah. it's a little silly. It's yeah. A little silly. I mean, I, I do think that it's a really well-made movie mm -hmm. from yeah. the, all the technical aspects. Mm -hmm. The music was great. The visuals oh, were yeah. great. Um, the writing and the dialogue, eh. the acting was fantastic. Um, Man. But yeah, um, I liked it a lot better than the first time I watched it. Yeah. So that was, um, for both of you, is that only the this re the rewatch for this? Yes. Only the second time you'd seen it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Probably. Oh, wow. Cool. What do you know about Maybe that? Maybe you'd seen it a couple other times, but... Okay. Cool. So, Quasi, did you actually secretly Quasi. hate this, or did we all like <laughs> Yeah, <this>? right. <laughs> Joke's on you, no. <laughs> God, no, I love this movie. Um, yeah, I, I, there are, I mean, every time... I, I liked watching it with you, Robert, just because we could talk about it and all the fun things that I remembered about oh, watching yeah. it. It's just fun to go back on. But I can just remember so many discrete moments of this movie where I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is coming. Oh, it's great. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, this is so awesome. So I'm, I don't know. I, I really, I, I, it's such a good movie. Such mm -hmm. a good movie. It's my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, What's your second favorite? What other ones do you like? Kill Bill Volume 1 is my second okay. favorite. And then In Glorious mm -hmm. Bastards. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, start to finish. Great. I loved it. No, <sighs> no, uh, yeah. Get that off your chest. Yeah. I, I Put it out there. <laughs> I've been holding that in all, all episode. <laughs> By the way, I, uh, like this film. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good movie. Uh, I didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you only I seen it once? It's a good one. Hmm. I've. I probably only seen it once. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, but I think I think I'm probably due to see it again. Yeah, you know how I'll it watch goes. it with you. Well, President's Day is coming up. President's Day is so coming up. That, that'll be fun. I've never seen Twelve Years a Slave either. So. Oh, I haven't either. So. No, oh, really? So yeah. it, oh my God. Okay, and none of us. We're doing President's Day. Boys night. Um, but yeah, I like I said at the top. Uh, I mean, this movie and Inglorious Bastards kind of signaled a turn i saw like maybe half of hateful eight and mm. had to stop that was a hard one man yeah um, stop at intermission yeah I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't my bag um <laughs> however kill bill volumes one and two mm. you heathens have not even <laughs> mentioned volume two it's not are as like good. it's not oh, as good it isn't as good fuck there's you. some good parts <laughs> um we're not talking about that we have a great show to talk about this <laughs> don't later. ruin it yeah yeah <laughs> um we should do a double header though, Kill Bill Volume One. Okay, that'd be fun. Anyway, those two were like some of my favorite movies for like ever. And I mean, like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are probably right up there. I think Reservoir Dogs is like one of one of the best movies ever. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what happened to me. I don't really care about new Tarantino very much. Okay. Death Proof is also awesome, but, um, yeah. I don't nice. know. But I'll watch it with you on President's Day. <laughs> Let's do it. 
Um, yeah, I, uh, the rewatch was, I mean, it was great watching it with, with Quasi, who, who loves it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of fun watching movies with people that, that like them a lot. Um, and I hadn't watched it. I hadn't watched it in a while. I've, I've seen it more than once, but I had, it'd been a couple of, probably a couple of years since I saw it last. And sure. so, um, the re, the rewatch was great. I forgot about, um, most of like the music beats and like god man the soundtrack's so good oh god mm-hmm. and like all the songs are used in the right spots and yep uh, that's one of like quentin tarantino's like he's good at strengths that. yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, <laughs> is. And and i don't oh, know is that his is that all yeah. him like, there's a bit where he's talked about it where he'll write scenes just for fun around songs around he wants song. to use yeah he yeah. does a lot of the music searching himself and for this movie especially he has a lot of his own like his own music research that he did for it and a bunch of great cut new songs for it that oh, yeah. rick ross song is for that movie right, the john right. legend oh, songs for the movie there's an wow. anthony hamilton song for that movie yeah it's, it's awesome it's great and all this and the soundtrack itself is really fun to listen to because he also puts these little bits from the movie in there like the oh. six shots two guns oh, yeah. is in there and it's just this great little yeah it's which is also one of my favorite lines in a movie ever is oh. like the i count six shots nigga i count two guns nigga it's great <laughs> it's great that was good <clears throat> it's great uh yeah i don't know i um i'm a fan i think i think it's probably at least in my top three favorite mm-hmm. quentin tarantino movies um i have to I have to reflect on myself to know what what else is up there. <laughs> I've been, I've been like, just do been some inward searching. Some of the ones that I go in the jungle somewhere and spend some time at a temple and think about it. Yeah, the Quentin Tarantino temple. Yeah, well, temple Tino. <laughs> temple um, Tino. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think uh, that, was, that was some good discussion, guys. Um, so yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up and uh, thank you all for being here, Scott and Quasi and Russell and Will, of course, always. And um, uh, hopefully we'll uh, get you all on another one soon. And uh, thank you for listening wherever you may be listening. Uh, brave listener um, <laughs> if uh, if you have thoughts about Django Unchained or even Quentin Tarantino we talked about him specifically this is the first uh, Tarantino movie we've done on the podcast That's so hey. that, that was bound to happen yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. If you have thoughts about um, his film catalog or Django Unchained, uh, feel free to email us at twenty four flamespot at gmail dot com. You can find us also on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at twenty four flamespod. Uh, and wherever you listen to this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review if you can, whether that be on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcatcher, whatever your favorite is. Yelp. LinkedIn. No. I do not think we're on Yelp. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, everybody, thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll um, catch you next month and as we venture off into February. Um, and yeah, uh, that'll do it for this episode, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye. 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 Fish media.